The scene opens inside a sterile office building that probably saw its prime decades ago. A gigantic man with a gray buzz cut sits behind an old gray steel desk inside a rundown office. He was probably once massively muscled, but that was many donuts and cups of bad coffee ago. He glares at the two men sitting in front of him as they speak. Now, Chief, I understand you're upset because I put Adam Smith's brain in the body of a dog, but now understand what happened was... I don't care that you put Adam Smith's brain in a dog. I care that it then ran down the middle of the Skokie, Illinois Labor Day Parade reciting chapter and verse from the Wealth of Nations. Hey, now, Boltus told me that that leash he gave me would have held that thing, so I don't know what happened. Well, to answer your first unmitigated allegation, it's not a leash. It is the personal celestial leather binding cords of Pope Julius III. Secondly, after the proper soul is in the allocated body, it's just a bit of old leather. Well, you just shut up. You're off field duty. Effective immediately. I got a job that I think is going to be a better fit for your talents. These are mysterious occurrences. These are unexplained phenomena. These are shadowy figures and unidentified flying objects. These are fortunes untold. Hello and welcome to the Halloween Spooktacular edition of the Fortunes Untold podcast. This week we're going to be reviewing Demon Hunters, a comedy of terrors by the Dead Gentleman. I'm Davery. I'm Chad. And I'm Andrew. And yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the game before we get down to it. All right, so as I understand it, going by the name at least, Demon Hunter's A Comedy of Terrors. I'm guessing this is a horror humor mix as far as just the feel, what the feel's going for. That makes me feel much better. I'm a giant chicken. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. it's uh, It was made, like I said, by the Dead Gentleman, who also made the Gamers and Gamers Darkness Rising movies. And this was also a set of movies that they made in the late 90s, and it's definitely got that feel. It's very much a, you're a small ragtag group fighting against the the supernatural horrors that live in the shadows, kind of like a, a Buffy or a, an X-Files or something like that. Something like Warehouse 13 or maybe Supernatural or something? Yeah, Supernatural during their comedy episodes. And Warehouse 13 is a fantastic example because... Or the original, Doctor Who. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Except, unfortunately, in this one, there's no TARDIS. Oh. Uh, but yeah, you're, in point of fact, in this game, the Brotherhood of the Celestial Flame, the people you work for, you start out based in a warehouse that stores all of the strange objects that they have collected. Of course. So the Ark of the Covenant is on aisle C3 over here. Right. Protected you know, by top well, men. Of we course it is. We all have our footage from the Indiana Jones movie where all of the storage is. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so system-wise, is this, uh, I think it's based off of Fate Core, is that correct? I'm not super familiar with Fate, so I can't speak to that exclusively. From what I understand, yes, it's a Fate variant okay. and uh, very similar to that. So, so pretty, pretty rules light. Well, which is a good thing. I mean, looking over, looking it over, character creation was fairly quick. You know, gave you a good idea. I think of what your uh, your character would sort of look like, at least description wise. I like how because it's story driven, the character creation allows you to really flesh out your character in the beginning. It allows you to like have some seeds of where it can go and how they can grow. Right, yeah, because it, it didn't take us very long to knock out these characters, even with me having to sit down and explain the rules. No, no. Yeah. And my character has a lot of development in there already, and I'm <laughs> so looking forward to getting into him. It's fantastic. Huh? Yeah, to uh, so to explain to some people uh, just a couple of the rules before we, we get started, because it may not be immediately apparent through gameplay. So with the Demon Hunter characters, you have you know, attributes and skills like a lot of games do, but this one splits them into approaches and discipline. And your, your approaches are basically your attributes, 
But instead of just being like, I have a strength of 15, so I can bench press X number of pounds, or I have a an intelligence of 12, so my IQ is blah. You just kind of have like a broad range. So you might have your uh, careful attribute or your forceful attribute. So like if you're forceful and you have a high rating and forceful, that's just kind of how you impact the storyline. So like say if you're going to build the Avengers out of this, both the Black Widow and the Hulk might have a forceful of D10. They're not the same strength level, but they impact the storyline in the same way. But they go about it in different ways. It helps with the narration. Like right. it's all like how you created your character. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter which your approach is, but it's how you narrate that approach. Right. It, like like the name, it's kind of how you approach a situation. Yeah. So that's why they're more adjectives than actual just straight nouns. Which I kind of like. It's a bit different and it gives you a bit more flexibility, especially with what you're doing. Right. And then you have your disciplines, which are instead of being a specific skill like open locks or knowledge religion, it's just a broad section. So you have research and development, which is everything science-based that you can justify your character knowing (laughs) or covert ops, which is just how you can be sneaky in a variety of situations. So whether or not you're a ninja or a burglar, that falls under covert ops. Right. All right. And whether you're a brilliant scientist or a mechanic working out of the back of a Fast and the Furious style garage, you both have research and development. All right. Now that now it's a essentially a stat plus skill system, so it would be approach plus discipline and you would narrate that so for example, the Fast and the Furious mechanic instead of doing say clever plus research and development would might do say flashy plus research and development. Absolutely. If he's he got his style. Yeah. Those flame stickers add speed. Exactly, yeah. If he's got that tricked out Honda that he's going to be trying to race through the middle of Rio de Janeiro in, then yeah, that would totally be a flashy plus a research and development. And you have different die levels, somewhere mm-hmm. between a D4 and a D10, depending on where you put your, your approach or your discipline. All right, and the only other thing I really see on here that probably needs a little explanation is you do have stunts. Right. And what are, you know, those appear to be just... Uh, and those are created per character rather than more or less from a set list. And those are, as I understand it, things that are specific to your character and your character concept, like special powers, if you will. To explain it, like video game terminology, those are like your super moves, right. like your areas of like true success. Yeah, or your your Fallout perks or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they're they're basically little like very specialized abilities that your character would have. They might do something minor like add a plus two to a roll or once per game you can re-roll if this condition happens. And since everyone starts off with three, I have a feeling we're going to get to see at least one or two of these get used in this game. Mm. That's possible. I'm hoping you do. (laughs) Okay, well, I think unless there's something else that you guys want to give a heads up for. I think that covers it. All right. So you've been sent to requisitions. You walk downstairs head into the uh, room where there's a large equipment cage with a bored woman with a beehive hairdo and cat's eye glasses sitting there. She barely gives you a bored glance. What do you want? My name is Agent Boltus Kahns from Psy 7, and this is my associate, Mr. Dipple. That's Clyde J. Dipple to you. And if it weren't for you, we wouldn't be in this mess. I am not the genius who had the idea to put Adam Smith's he- brain inside of a dog's body. Hey, it was a good idea, and you agreed to it. Now, what the hell are we here to pick up, anyway? Psy 7, paperwork, please. Uh, you got that. Yes, I do. Lupin, the the, uh, the paperwork, if you don't mind. Uh, so, out of, uh, out of my coat, out of my trench coat, a little green hand hands me the paperwork. Thank you, Lupin. 
Right, she takes the paperwork and doesn't even spare a glance at the green hand coming out of your coat. So apparently Dolores here has seen things. And she looks at the paperwork. Oh, you're here to deliver to Sigma 12. I'll get it. She stands up and slowly bored and walks into the back room. She comes back and has two pizza boxes and a two liter of Mountain Dew. She sets them down on the, the table, slides them through, says, here you go. Oh, one more thing. She reaches down under the desk, pulls out a Swiss Army knife, sets it down, slides it over. There you go. Well, this is probably the weirdest thing I've ever had to deal with in the entire time I've been here. It doesn't seem to be very appropriate to what we usually deal with. You've right. also been assigned a cipher unit. She pulls out a piece of paper and hands it over. Sign here. You're responsible for all damage the unit incurs. The pacifism unit on this particular cipher is fried, so you can't turn it off. I bet I can. <laughs> so to explain what a cipher unit is, they are portable, in effect, computers that are sent along with most field teams. They're androids. Uh, so okay. they look mostly human, but they have giant oversized glasses. <laughs> okay. And they also have giant oversized pocket protectors. <laughs> they might, if you want to dress them. <laughs> so what does our cipher unit actually look? Who does he look like? And uh, she, she points behind and she goes, your cipher unit is over there. And yeah, there's a guy just standing in the corner, not moving at all. Uh, and uh, he looks nondescript. He's, Average height, average build, <laughs> average hair, average everything. Okay, uh, Clyde, do you wish to go? Can you go pick up the cipher unit? I'll take care of the items. I assume he can walk. Hey, it's Mark Three, whatever the hell your name is, sir. Come on, we got something to deliver. Yes, sir. So uh, um, I'm going to open up my trench coat and the little green hand reaches out and starts grabbing the pizza boxes and taking them <laughs> in. I'm like, Lupin, this isn't actually pizza. Don't don't try and eat any of this. No, in this place, I bet it actually is it, pizza. It smells like pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, We're delivering pizza. I yeah. just uh, supply requisitions. Use teleporter door 4-2 down the hall. I told you, Chief was pissed. <laughs> Clyde shrugs his shoulders and... You know, he just reached up, adjust his hat. He's wearing a he's wearing a tattered trucker hat. It says uh, John Deere across the front of it. You know, <sighs> now get your fancy trench coat and let's go. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, Boltus is a little bit worried because he just put pizza right into his uh, trench coat with his ten thousand dollar Armani suit. So he's like. I hope this doesn't stain. And it gets up and begins to walk out. And also, you just put two liters of sugar in your goblin's hand. Yeah, I did. <laughs> this can't possibly go wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Clyde, I'll give a quick description of him. Clyde's a burly guy. He's wearing a pair of tattered jeans, work boots, just a like a plaid shirt. And over that, he's got this mysteriously stained lab coat. Are we going to hope that's oil that's staining it? It's whatever you want it to be. Perception is reality, after all. And he's topped it all off. He's wearing, like I said, he's wearing a, a trucker's hat with a John Deere logo across the front. Well, Baltus is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum of this one. He is a very well-dressed gentleman. He's got a... There's money in every inch of his clothing. Apart from probably his uh, overcoat, which is a trench coat. Um, but the trench coat is... Uh, it It's awkward looking. It doesn't look exactly like it's... 
made was made for normal to be put on a shelf. <laughs> it's a little little bulky, a little baggy. A little bulky and a little baggy, yeah. All right. All right, let's get this stuff and get going. The sooner we get this over with, the sooner you can give us something else stupid to do. <laughs> All right, so she she has waved you over in the direction of teleporter door number 42, which is how the Brotherhood tends to move from warehouse to the quote-unquote real world, and how you also smuggle in and out the the artifacts that you're usually tasked Artifacts. Yeah, like mystical pizza. <laughs> Come on, Boltus. It's good to see if we can't get ourselves out of the situation you got us in. <laughs> yes, I got us in. Very good. So yeah, Clyde will walk over to the teleport door, just yank it open. Mark three, get go on, get through here. Yes, sir. And the door, the door has one of those mystic effects where you can't really see what's on the other side. You just got to step through and hope for the best. <laughs> got the wibbly blue field. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Well, I've done weirder things. He steps through. <sighs> Clyde steps through after them. Okay. You step out, you open up in a... It looks for all the world like uh, an apartment living room. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it, like an old New York apartment. It, it's got... Uh, dingy couch and not the greatest wall hangings and probably uh, uh, cinder blocks with boards as bookshelves and things like that. So very inexpensive. Uh, however, it also looks like there has been combat in this room. Things are broken. It looks like there are bullet holes in the wall. There are suspicious stains like on your coat that are on the carpet. Uh, well, you know, I don't know if this is normal or not. And Clyde, did you have you been here previously? Hell, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. And there is a light emanating from down the hall, probably in one of the bedrooms. And no obvious bodies or anything else, just the signs of like smashed furniture, bullet holes and all of that. Right, yeah, just that. This does not look like a present a pleasant occurrence. <laughs> well, I guess we better be checking. Who the heck are we supposed to be delivering this to anywhere? They even tell us. They said that you were delivering it to Sigma 12, which is another uh, Brotherhood unit. Okay, so I'm going to reach into my coat mm -hmm. and pull out um, a magical item. That is one of the abilities that I have. Uh, I'd like to explain a little bit more on my character yeah. so that people don't understand why does he keep reaching into his coat. It's kind of like... Um, so Baltus is an antiques dealer who bought, at his low point in his career bought a storage container for his last thousand dollars that contained the items of a major cult. So he has volumes about all these occult items and his coat, which is special, is actually filled with tiny little pocket universes and the goblin that lives in his coat, whose name's Lupin, actually takes items and puts them away and pulls them back out. So you bought this basically like Mystic Storage Wars. Mystic Storage Wars, <laughs> yep. You won the bid with your last thousand. Congrats. So he's been like realizing there's so much money to be with the cult. He's been collecting all of these occult items with very, very powerful like mystical energy to them. So he's got a cult uh, a coat filled with like, it's like a Mary Poppins coat filled with all these really, really mystically imbued items. So he reaches into his coat and pulls out the Bambino baseball bat. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Okay, what you got there? Well, um, 1919, when the Bambino was transferred from the Red Sox to the Yankees, uh, it kind of shattered their wins for the next, uh, like, for a huge streak. I think it was 84 years. So uh, it shatters whatever it hits. 
Well, I'm going to defer to the Scotsman when it comes to baseball because I have no idea. Yeah, so I'm I can't gonna, help. I can't help you there either. So. I'm going to believe all that is true. My wife is a Red Sox fan. That's why I know. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, so you pull out the baseball bat just in case. Clyde just sort of shrugs his shoulders, kind of unstiffens, cracks his knuckles. I don't need none of that. Let's go see what's going on around here. And he he turns heads off down the uh, apartment hallway. It starts checking checking doors. Well, there aren't that many doors. It's kind of an inexpensive place. So you basically <laughs> I didn't open... say it wasn't a short hallway. Yeah, it's a very short hallway. You basically open the bathroom. <laughs> and then there are two doors on the end that are probably two bedrooms. And one of them is where the light is coming okay. from. Yeah, I'll just get a quick glance in the doors to make sure nothing's lurking. <laughs> no, definitely nothing in the bathroom. It's too small to hide in. Like you, you're, you're positive there's something there. Gotcha. Uh, you can you can brush your teeth and use the toilet at the same time. Yeah, that kind of bathroom. Exactly. Got it. Uh, boy, they sure set them up in good digs, didn't yeah. they? Always the finest with uh, the Brotherhood of Celestial Flame. All right. Well, we'll head to the head to the room where the uh, lights coming from. Okay. You step in there. It is a bedroom. Again, same thing. There's just signs of uh, fighting here everywhere. The the bed has been smashed. Uh, things have been broken. There's the uh, there was a picture on the wall that's been shattered. There is a TV that somehow has survived <laughs> all of this uh, insanity, and it's glowing a bright blue that there's no signal. And uh, if you look down there, it does look like there is a body there. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that's my specialty. Ain't that it? would be your forte, Mister Clyde. So yeah, Clyde will step up to the uh, to the body kneel down is anybody we recognize right you you turn it over and you know i feel like there's probably supposed to be some sort of role here but i'm just going to give it to you yeah you actually recognize this person this is yasmin via real she was part of sigma 12 she was actually what's called a videomancer hmm. and she uh, she like you has mad science but hers is focused around the concept of television and videos so hmm. things like the Brotherhood actually can do that CSI thing of enhance, 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 <laughs> pull in, rotate, spin <laughs> by using their videomancers to to cast their spells through their cameras. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, Clyde's going to kneel down, start start poking around, and uh, I'd like to say, let's call it clever plus research and development. I'm going to see if I can figure out what killed her. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. So yeah, you're you'll add the die. You'll have a die rating of your careful mm -hmm. and a die rating equal to your research and development. You'll roll those two together and we'll assign a difficulty to it. I'm going to say this is going to be a five. It's going to be a fairly easy because, okay. as you said, it's going to be kind of obvious. Yeah. Well, and I have a D10 in clever and a D10 in research and development. Okay. <laughs> so... That's an eight, so it's a good thing I have that. Okay, yeah. Well, it, like I said, target number was five. You beat that, no problem. Yeah, her neck flops unnaturally. It, it was clearly that she's been... She'd had her neck broken in some manner. Huh. Well, she gave up a hell of a fight, it looks like, but ultimately somebody snapped her neck like a chicken. Is there anything salvageable? I mean, can you bring her back to life, or is she a goner? Uh, well... He starts rooting around a little bit. Maybe with that kind of nerve damage, I'd probably need about eight inches of fiber optic cable and some titanium. But I think I could probably put her back together given enough time. As you're standing there, suddenly you hear what sounds like possibly wind howling. But you 
there are no windows in this room, so you're not probably like hearing the outside, and it doesn't seem to be coming from here. It seems to be coming from the other side of the hallway. Well, I'll tell you what, let's check that out, and she ain't going nowhere. I can come back to her later. We can always come back, yes. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll turn. So, is there a doorway on the opposite side of the hall? Right, which looks to be a second bedroom. Okay. Well, no time like the present, and Clyde will rear back and just kick the door in. All right. Uh, what's Clyde's forceful? It's, Clyde's forceful is a D eight. D eight. He's a big old boy. You know what? Yeah, you're a big old boy. I'm not even going to make you roll that door. That cheap New York door blows off its hinges. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> knock knock. If the room wasn't tattered before, probably is by the time a door goes flying through <laughs> it. So you see, uh, the wind seems to be coming from the closet. The closet door is rattling the same way an, an outside door would be if there's an exceptionally strong wind pattern. If this takes us to Narnia, I am going to be so aggravated. That place sucks. Are you kidding? Talking lions and winter witches? That's that great. Yes, but they're all so boring and there's nothing there for me. It's all Old junk. <laughs> is there at the end of the hallway where the uh, door, or the, where the uh, bedrooms were? Is there? Would there appear to be an entrance doorway or like a, well, like a front door to the apartment? No, the front door was what you stepped through. Oh, okay. So the the portal door was functionally the front door. Right. The portal door connects two separate doorways to each other, gotcha. turns them into a link. And so when you open the door in the warehouse, you step through the front door of the apartment function. Gotcha. Okay. I guess I would like to. Um, I'll go. I'll take the. F- first go in this one you've been brave enough so far so he's going to walk up and use the baseball bat to like open the door to the closet okay can i inspect the closet first like is it like a particular is it like a modern closet is it an ancient closet it's something <laughs> my character would be like oh this closet's it's victorian it's um it's you can tell by the inlay <laughs> now, it, it is appropriate to the rest of the the apartment so it's cheap and old. It's Ikea. <laughs> it's a exactly. shipboard. Yeah. yeah, but nothing special. So as you can tell, this closet was bought from Ikea in 1993. Just open the dang door. <laughs> so he's going to open the door with the baseball bat. Alright, you open the door and sort of like the teleporter doors, this is not the closet. But unlike the teleporter doors, you can see through here. Oh, so what do we see? You see a highway? It looks like a, a small uh, paved area and a across from the highway and what looks on the outside, other side to be like a New Mexico sort of desert with like scrub and uh, like maybe some small cactuses and some uh, plateaus out in the distance. How many members are normally in a team? It varies. The typical size is five and you know Sigma probably has five members because they're a by-the-book team. So... I think a good way to get back in the the chief's good books would be find the rest of Sigma. Yeah, I ain't got no problem with that. You might want to see what's out the front door first before we go gallivanting off to the high desert smoking peyote. <laughs> so Clyde's going to turn and go back to the living room. And is is the front door still connected back to the warehouse? No. It once you step through, it will shut down, and you'll use your cipher to call for an extraction. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming our cipher's just been sort of wandering around yeah, behind just us. Milling behind you, stopping, maybe a couple times a little too close so you bump into him. <laughs> My apologies, sir. I hate these things. Uh, Clyde's going to walk over and actually open the actual front door, assuming it's not already open, and just see is it like an apartment building hallway or. Yeah, totally normal hallway. 
it's New York, so apparently nobody cares that there was some sort of huge brawl in the next door apartment. <laughs> huh. Well, there ain't nothing unusual out here, so... Closet travel it is? Yeah, Narnia it is, I guess. Okay. So we step through into Narnia, New Mexico. <laughs> the three of you step through. As soon as you step through, the door closes behind you. Hmm. And you can turn and look, and you are at what at one point was probably a Dixie Boy truck stop. I say was because, much like the apartment, there has been combat aplenty here. There are wrecked doors. There's uh, The windows have been shot out of the building. Part of the... Uh, the gas pumps that are on the side has collapsed over. It's It's been wrecked. <laughs> I ain't seen a party like this since the Hells Angels got that bad fruitcake. Mm. Well, and kind of like with the teleported door, the instant you have stepped through, it closed the door behind you, and now it just looks like a regular destroyed wreck stop. Hey. All right. Well. Well, once again, we seem to find ourselves in trouble. Let's go sort this out. So, obvious signs of combat, no obvious corpses. No, it doesn't look like there are any corpses or anything like that. It just looks like there was a huge... And you don't even see any blood, really. It's just... It just looks like it's been hammered. <laughs> looks like a bad day in Beirut. All right, well, let's see what's in here, eh? Baltus is going to put his baseball bat away because he's looking around and he's like, walking around with a baseball bat? It's going to look a little bit awkward if he runs into anyone. <laughs> the cipher turns and looks at Baltus and says... Temperature, 85 degrees Fahrenheit, low humidity, time, 12, 10 p.m. Um, and uh, Baltus is going to turn to Clyde and say, wow, these are really useful, just like my smartphone. Yeah, but your smartphone at least ain't got legs. Mm-hmm. Where, are we ex- actually, where are we actually at, Mark Three? Give us some GPS coordinates or something. Mm-hmm. The Mark Three stares up into space, maybe doing a satellite uplink. Maybe just thinking real hard. <laughs> you don't really know what these guys... Do we hear the old internet noise? The, the <laughs> exactly, yeah. There's a modem that squeals outside of one of his ears. Yeah. <laughs> it says, 42 miles north of Taos, New Mexico. Well, at least we're still on Earth. That's always a positive... Well, depends on which Earth. Close enough. Anyway, let's go see what's inside here. Eh? Okay. Onwards. So yeah, we'll, uh, I imagine, step through the shattered <laughs> door that we just stepped out of. Yep, pretty much exactly what happens. <laughs> and uh, Baltus see... is going to actually knock, and he go, hello, is anybody around? <laughs> and the door just slides sadly open, <laughs> kind of, now that it's unencumbered by the front glass. <laughs> and uh, there's no response. <laughs> so, once you step through, it's, it, it's like somebody took the Bambino's bat to an entire uh, truck stop. There are... Shattered cases, tipped over chip displays, wrecked candy bars, cigarettes all over the floor. A couple of the doors of the uh, cooler have been broken and bottles of beer and soda are spilled. Hmm. So as I'm, as I'm walking around, you see a little green hand like picking up the cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Would you stop that? <laughs> so yeah, we'll uh, sweep through, see if we can find any, any evidence of any further members of uh, Sigma 12 or... Any sign of where they may have gone. Yeah, you're searching through and you're not really seeing anything when suddenly you hear what appears to sound like gunfire off in the distance. It's it's nowhere near you right now. But it sounds like it's probably across the road 
and over maybe over the next rise a little bit. Well, I ain't got no horse and no car, so I guess we're walking. Sounds like a calling card. <laughs> Warning, gunfire detected. These ah. things have a mute button. Uh, apparently it's broken. <laughs> uh, come on. And yeah, Clyde will will head off at a jog across the road, lab coat flapping in the breeze. <laughs> Baltus is actually going to look around and see if there's anything like he can ride because he's like, it's so unfashionable to run. And um, he's going to pull out a penny farthing and like sit on the penny farthing. <laughs> and he's not going to actually pedal it, it's just going to roll. So he starts rolling along <laughs> on the penny farthing. <laughs> Showing the, the uh, class and decorum expected from a gentleman like himself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you, you two. St- Sadly, make it about the same speed. <laughs> and are you just going to head over the rise and see what you see? Or? Yeah, I think at this point, yeah, we'll just pop over the rise and see what we got. Okay. Well, you pop over the rise and you see boulders and rocks everywhere. And you see one guy hiding behind one of the rocks. And you recognize him, actually. It is Amrit Patel. He's the leader of Sigma 12. And it looks like he's pinned down by a group of people wearing... Uh, military fatigues, carrying what looked like AK-47s, and they're all firing wildly at him, and he's hiding behind the rock and hoping to not get shot. What in the hell is going on here? You piss off local local militia folk? Well, they came through a wardrobe to get him. They must have really pissed them off. (sighs) Hmm. So, um... I guess uh, if we're going to be jumping into combat, I'm going to have to equip myself with another weapon. And uh, a baseball bat versus an AK-47 is, although it's a very powerful baseball bat, is elu- <laughs> uh, don't bring a baseball bat to a gunfight. Like, yeah, it's pretty much, yeah. a bad concept. So he's going to reach in and he's going to be like, Lupin, do you mind equipping me with the ghost gun? The little green hand pops out and goes, it's your gun. For his part, Clyde is going to uh, rummage around inside his lab coat a little bit, pull out a couple of, a couple of flasks and what looks like it might have once been a like an old nokia cell phone <laughs> and i want to use my one of my stunts okay i have a stunt called duct tape and bailing wire <laughs> i like the sound of it tell me what it does so basically i want to try and create an advantage for us by uh, using my mad science skills mm-hmm. essentially he he starts working with these two objects and it looks like he's using this cell phone as a detonator on some sort of improvised explosive uh-oh all right, so to explain to people what's going on, like I said, the stunts are little tricks that your character can perform, and they vary, but one of the really common ways that they work is that you can get a plus two on a roll uh, if you perform uh, a particular action. So in this case, you're saying that's going to be your mad science? Yes, I'm going to use my... And mad science is governed by research and development, and in this case, I've specified it's quickly, so it'll be quick plus research and development. Okay, well, uh, I'll get you to roll that, and then... We'll stop here for a second and I'll explain a little bit of the combat rules. So you're actually in a prime spot with this combat because they are busily focused on shooting on the rock that Amret is behind, so they have not noticed you. So you get to choose how you want to engage this particular combat. One of the things that this game does is the players dictate initiative order. I don't dictate anything at all. So you and you and you even dictate the enemies initiative order. So you tell me where you go, you tell me where these shooters go. I'm going to leave Amrit out of it for right now because he's kind of stuck. The thing is, whoever you assign last this round 
gets to pick next round. So if you assign the enemies last, they get to go first next round. Gotcha. So, and you can you can do whatever you want to. If you want to say they're going first and then we're going to both act, then that means next round, the two of you get to pick again. That's perfectly fine. Okay. So how do you want to go, Chad? Yeah, I think Clyde is going to go ahead and go because he's a, he's a very... Very enthusiastic, very uh, just act sort of person. That's kind of how Adam Smith's head may or, or uh, brain may or may not have ended up in a dog. I'm just saying. That tracks. Okay. Well, if you want, yeah, if you want to do your quick plus your research and development, right. you can do that as an you can do that as an attack against these people. And so the rules are: there's a difficulty assigned to it. Mm-hmm. If you meet that difficulty, you succeed. If you beat that difficulty by five, you succeed with style. Okay. And there are all kinds of various rules to it. But for this one, we're just going to kind of shorthand it. And I'm going to rule, if you beat this with style, your plus two will carry over and Andrew will get it on his attack also. Nice. So yeah, he he quickly arranges this kind of ominous looking mix of glass bottle wires and old cell phone and just rears back and hurls it. All right. Tries to hurl it into the middle of these guys. So... The way this works for being combat is you're going to roll your dice. I'm going to roll mine, and it's going to be highest number wins. Okay. So I'm going to say that these guys are forceful and that they're using their combat and tactics, but they're not really great at either one. I'm going to give them a D8 and a D6. Okay. In my case, my quick is a D8, and my research and development is a D10, plus any bonus from my stunt. Okay. So you're probably going to do well. Uh, well, let's see. That's a 16 total. Yeah. I roll a four. <laughs> Oh, wow. So you definitely succeed with style. And so Andrew definitely gets his plus two. Awesome. And uh, you said you got a 16? Yep. Okay. So it, the, the version of hit points in this game are mild, moderate, and severe conditions. And the way you determine those is I subtract your attack from my defense, and that's the number of hits they get. Most like NPC groups, like cohorts and things like that, are relatively weak. Uh, point of fact with this one, I was going to give them 15 points between all of them. <laughs> wow. So you've done 12 of 15 with that explosion. And uh, to, to explain like the, the difference with that in a player, a player has around like 40. So, so, so yeah. Yeah, you throw this bomb. This bomb lands. There's a Wilhelm scream. People go flying. <laughs> So it's the, like, Nokia is really one of the most dangerous weapons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, until we get to somebody that's not a uh, disposable scrub. <laughs> right. So, yeah, now, uh, Andrew, if you want to... Uh... I would like to take a shot. I'm going to do flashy, so he's going to re- reach out, and when he pulls out that gun, the ghost gun, it's actually the prototype for the Volition repeating rifle, and it's called the ghost gun because it actually fires ghosts. So it, oh. shoot, it shoots the soul out of your body and implants a new soul into it. Oh, man. And he has preloaded his gun with uh, really nice old ladies. He was at an old home, and when they were dying, he was taking their souls and putting them. So they get another chance at life inside of a new body. I'm not sure how they f- would feel about being random militia guy. Well, they were asked first. They weren't like, I didn't just go up and be like, hey, you suck at their souls. That would be mean. He's a, he's a gentleman. He's going to ask these people if they want to have another go at life. Um, so he's going to reach up his gun. So I'm going to go flashy. He's going to one-arm it. And uh, for, uh, no, so... Flashy and combat tactics? Yeah, that sounds good. So a D6, a D6, and I would like to use my uh, no warning shot stunt, which means my first attack, if it succeeds, does an additional plus two. Sounds great. Okay, well, I will roll my same D68 as I oh, did Oh, and last don't time. forget your bonus from my stunt early so on. So plus two, plus two, plus six, uh, a D6 and a D6. 
So, well, it's a plus two to hit because yeah. of uh, Chad's stun. Your plus two will be damage if you succeed. Okay. Six. Plus two, plus two is eight. eight. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, they rolled a seven. So, uh, you, yeah. You barely got it, <laughs> but you got it. And with your plus two, that's a total of three, which gives them 15. Yeah. <laughs> which means you took them out. So, the last guy, literally, he's, he's standing there and he's shooting away and he's shooting away and his friends get detonated and he turns around and he's about to shoot at us. And then this ghostly figure hits his body. His soul gets shoved out of his body and this wheel thing is like, oh, thank you, and gets up and walks off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me, dearie. I'm never going to get used to that. <laughs> Amrit spins around from the rock, points his gun, two of you, looks over at your Sigma, drops his gun. Betting you two are brotherhood. Bet you're right. Oh, thank goodness. Psy 7, always ready to save Sigma. You have no idea how glad I am to see you. Uh, well, given given the plethora of guys with guns trying to take your head off, I bet I have a pretty good idea. Yeah, the rest of my team, we got, we got separated and uh, out here somewhere, I've been trying to... We, we got separated in a firefight over at the, the truck stop. I've been trying to, to find anyone else, and I'm, I'm lost. Like, I'm completely by myself here. I don't know what's going on. Well, your, uh, your Vidyomancer's dead back in your apartment, sad to say. Oh, man. Now, I might be able to do something about that later with the right parts, but, eh, didn't really have time right now. He kind of gives you a, like, a horrified look. He's like, I, I, I don't think that's going to be necessary. Thanks, uh, thanks for the offer. She might be useful. He's Come on rather, now. He's rather good at what he does. Anyway, that said, there ain't nobody hanging around the, around the truck stop no more, so I don't know which way they took off. I don't know, but those guys came from over this ridge further down that way. So I'm, I'm hoping my, my only plan was to try and fight them and go further and see if there was anything I could see. So they attack you or how'd you end up in New Mexico anyway? Well, we were just sitting around. We were all hungry. We were thinking maybe we'd order a pizza and, uh, yeah, about that. Yeah. And <laughs> so, we, uh, the gremlin actually puts the pizza out of the coat and it's like the box lids torn open and half the pizza's <laughs> eaten. So he like hands the, the, the pizza comes out the coat and it just, it doesn't get like, Slowly hit it out, it fires out of the <laughs> So, yeah, I will definitely catch it. Just like, that isn't even the weirdest thing I've seen today. It's fine. And just <laughs> flips open what's left and picks up probably like a half-bitten slice. <laughs> just takes it. He's like, yeah, we were just, we, we ordered pizza, and then all of a sudden there was just a, a massive eruption in the apartment. There was like wind, things were slamming around, knives flying out of the kitchen. It was just, it was insanity and then like i got knocked for a loop and when i woke up i was you know when i kind of came to my senses i was at a truck stop yeah we came through uh came through your narnia closet to get here so yeah i that honestly that doesn't even make sense to me man i don't know what's going on here well you know what we'll figure all that out later how about we see if we can't find anybody else alive out here what were you investigating if you don't mind me asking uh the mystery of the hungry team like we were just hanging out like, we weren't even doing anything <laughs> actually on that note clyde's gonna walk over to one of the uh militia corpses mm -hmm. that was shredded by the explosion earlier and start poking around see if he can figure out where these guys are from are they wearing insignia are they you know this is u.s soil i'd at least expect to be using ar-15s <laughs> right Okay, yeah. So let's do a, you're going to be doing investigate. Let's roll a clever and, you know what, you're investigating soldiers. Let's do a combat and tactics. Okay. I'm not actually not too bad at that. We've got a uh, clever D10 and a combat and tactics of D8. Oh, yeah, you're pretty good at that. <laughs> My character's uh, been around a little bit. All right. 
13. They're, uh, perfect. As I was going to say, five got you basic and 10 got you detailed. So you got, you got detailed information. These guys are wearing military fatigues, but they aren't wearing U.S. military fatigues. They're wearing, like, instead of camo, they're wearing flat. Like olive uh, drab. Olive drab. Yeah. And uh, what look like old Soviet symbols. Now, what in the... And then, then you look at them, and they're, it's not a group of guys wearing old Soviet symbols. It's a group of guy. They all look identical. So they're like, like clones. Yeah, they look like clones, like five clones. Now, what in the... Hey, Boltus, come here. Those are, that's Soviet insignia, and all these gentlemen look the same. Yeah, there's something ain't quite right here. Hang on just a second. Clyde reaches back to, uh, to the back of his belt and pulls out this massive Bowie knife <laughs> and just slices one of, one of them open, <sighs> like, you know, throat to crotch, and just peels it back and starts looking to see if they're actually human on the inside. Never getting used to that. Never getting used to that. Yeah, you can tell that to the little goblin fellow of yours. Well, regardless of what Ronald Reagan would have you believe, apparently Soviets are built just like good old Americans because, <laughs> yeah, they just look like regular people. Huh. Did you have fiddle with cloning? And well, of course. I mean, what is this middle school? Of course, I did. But uh, it's a fiddly thing to get right, and these boys are identical. I mean, they're down to eye color. You lose, usually get a little bit of weirdness, and uh, these guys are whoever did this is good. But why dress them up as Ruskies? I got nothing, man. Is it maybe maybe old Soviet tech? It, yeah, but. Who's going to be hanging around to a stockpile of uh, Soviet military rank insignia? I I got no idea. In he New Mexico. He reaches over and picks up one of the guns and look, chambers and looks at him and goes, guns look like they work. I think I'm going to pick up one of these guys, though. Ah, so yeah. do they have any communications equipment? Is there anything like headsets or anything like that on them? Nothing, just, you know, outfits and guns. This <sighs> This is severely awkward and weird. You're telling me. Well, you know what? Let's see if we can find anybody else alive out here. Maybe they can tell us something. All right. Okay. Did they did they leave, did they arrive in a vehicle or anything like that? Were they are they, they just hiked here? <laughs> Amber just says no. They I was walking across the road just to see, kind of just trying to investigate, find where everyone was, and they just popped out of nowhere and started shooting at me. I I guess they're just trying to kill every stranger that's around? I I don't know, man. I ain't got no answers for you. So I guess we've got to look for the rest of the team then. Well, you know the di rough direction we're going? Is there any... How would you, I guess, track? Maybe see if I can figure out where they came from. Let's see. Um, I would say, what do you think with the disciplines? Covert ops? Covert ops would make sense. Um, and then... I would say careful and covert ops would work together because that's careful is your attention to detail and covert ops is probably your you know, sneaking around. You are, yeah, I tell you right, and I <laughs> my careful is a D four. <laughs> Could I use one of my aspects for that? Like I'd like to talk to Lippin and see if he's got a tool that can help with this. Okay, so uh, how are you gonna how are you gonna find that? What are you planning on doing? I have a I have a bunch of tools inside of my jacket, and basically the jacket is the magical weapon uh, okay. or the magical item that I have. So I'm gonna have like maybe my gremlin pull out like a compass, maybe an, an original compass from the Han Dynasty or something like that that uh, that can find things. 
All right, um, that sounds... Tell us where we need to go. That sounds good. So to explain to people in the review, there is an additional discipline that when you have your when you make your character, you pick three disciplines and you give yourself a die rating in them. If there is a discipline you don't assign a die rating to, you still get it. You just get it at a D4. Fringe is a special discipline that if you don't set something in, you just don't have it. And it it encompasses basically all the weird stuff that doesn't fit into being a magician or a mad scientist or anything like that. So in this case, we've decided Andrew's character's magic coat of holding is a fringe item. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's say, uh, let's rule that you can use fringe. And what are you thinking for your approach? Clever. Clever sounds good. Because it'd be like, I think I know of an item for that. Well, he's accumulated quite a lot of stuff. So he'd be using his vast knowledge of all his mystical and magical items. All right. How about this? Let's... Let's test drive this idea and we'll change it as necessary. Why don't you roll careful plus fringe to see if you have something useful in your coat. And then if you do, you can use it for whatever purpose you were going to use before. Okay. So let's say uh, this is something that's, it's unique, but it's not crazy overpowered. It's just something to kind of help. It gives you a genuine direction. It's not. Yeah. So let's, let's again, let's say this is just like a difficulty five. Okay. So I'm going to be like, Lupin, do you mind handing me my compass? and i got a nine you got a nine yeah okay so um noticing looking through there did you uh did you roll a one on one of your die i did roll a one on my my d6 okay so there is another rule in this game that we haven't dealt with yet called faith dice and demon dice Ooh. and the way those work is those can give players advantages if they botch a roll particularly or they think they're kind of under equipped to deal with something they can call on their faith, their their unshakable belief in their heroness mm-hmm. to try and succeed. Now, when they do that, they then in turn hand the GM back some dice, which works as a, oh yeah, like you've managed to succeed, but isn't it a great story when something terrible happens later? So one of the triggers for that is if you roll a one when you make a check on one of those dice, you can choose to say, I would like a neck, I would like to take a faith faith dice because of this. But if you do I also get a demon die that I can use against you at later time. Davey, this yeah. is the first time I've rolled with you as a DM. I don't know how much I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's a GM, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am flat out telling you, you can give me a demon die if you'd like. <laughs> um, I might do it on another check later on. All right, sure. So, all right, so this time, no problem. So you just roll, you rolled your nine, but like I said, your difficulty was a five. So he digs through, and then he just reaches out and pulls out. It's a Ming Dynasty compass. It is absolutely gorgeous and uh, has wonderful inscription on it. So basically, he he taps it twice and says, we need to find our fellow Omega associates. And it begins to spin and then hits in a direction. Okay, so that it... The, yeah, the needle spins around and spins around and kind of ends up stopping, pointing in a certain direction. Instead of giving you the, instead of that flat out succeeding, I'm going to rule that gives you a bonus to okay. your actual check. So you can now make a clever plus covert ops. If you roll that, you'll get a plus two bonus, similar to like having a stunt. Clever plus covert ops. Clever or careful? Sorry, careful. You are correct. Careful plus covert, covert ops. ops. So it's a D6 and a D4. You may actually get one of those demon die from me. <laughs> Oh, no, you won't. I got an eight. Plus two, that gives you to 10. Yeah. So even at a difficult uh, check, because you're wandering through the desert looking for tracks, well, you found them. There, there are, yes, dusty footprints coming from a particular area. So you know that's where we need to head. I found a, a path, but I found a path, Clyde. I guess we can go this way. All right. But if I end up out here for 40 years, I am going to kick your ass. 
<laughs> All right. So you head out on your own personal exodus and walk <laughs> walk around. Uh, you walk for maybe like 10 minutes or so. And then eventually you're, you know, it's rising and, and falling sort of hills. And eventually you rise, you walk up one hill and the whole area opens out and you see a giant building in front of you. It looks like just, just that. It's a flat giant building with a huge neon sign on the front flashing double deuce, double deuce, double deuce. There are motorcycles in front of it everywhere. And off to the side, what looks like a big group of shirtless people playing volleyball? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I think this is your area of expertise, Clyde. I am. Well, I don't know about the volleyball, but uh, (laughs) all right. (laughs) And Amber just looks, what the uh, yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much my response. This is incredibly awkward. I, I don't know what to do. Uh, well, I say we go down to the roadhouse there and uh, belly up to the bar, see if we can't find somebody. That can't be. They can't have missed a group of rusky soldiers wandering around not that far from here if they came from this way. This is the weirdest place for an establishment of this kind I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, there's not even a road. Like it's just a giant. What looks like a yeah a bar out in the middle of nowhere. Like I said, motorcycles everywhere, no road to get there. Yeah, something ain't right here, but you've got a better plan. I'm willing to hear it. Well, let me try a bit of conversation. Maybe I can use the old banter. And These are some... not your people. Yeah, you never know. I've sold <laughs> le- less to to more and sold more to less. Um, <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun to watch. Uh, Baltus is going to walk down and say, Good evening, gentlemen and ladies. How? Oh. I'm just wondering, uh, where do we find ourselves? <laughs> All right, well, you, you start walking to the building, and uh, as you get there, there's actually a guy sitting, like, just kind of relaxing on a bench out in front of the doors. He's uh, he's wearing jeans, black T-shirt, motorcycle boots. It's an older guy, long gray hair, hangs down to about his shoulders. Look at this. How y'all fellas doing? Evening, sir. And uh, Bolt is actually going to reach into his coat and pull out one of the cigarettes that uh, Lupin picked up off the floor. He goes, would you like a smoke? Don't mind if I do. I would like Baltus to kind of, like inquire a bit more would this be social engineering plus my clever well what are you trying to accomplish well i'm, I'm gonna start speaking to him and see like if he has seen anything weird going on and like how this happens to be here <laughs> anything weird going on like uh, a bit, all of it i guess i'll ask him about the evening i'll be like hello i'm baltus khans and i'm uh, i find myself in front of this establishment uh how long has it been here well deuce has been here i guess probably about 10 years now we just took over trying to trying to clean it up though had a bad reputation wonderful that sounds great <laughs> have, have you seen anything uh peculiar this evening well there's some gentlemen walking around with quite heavily armed Causing some kind of ruckus earlier on. I ain't real surprised people causing a ruckus around here. I ain't gonna say it's a place you can find trouble, but there's a sign in the bathroom saying, please don't eat the big pink mints. <sighs> um, so Baltus is going to shudder at that, not because people would eat the big pink mints, because this is an establishment he would not frequent. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, Clyde is just grinning ear to ear, because this is exactly the sort of establishment he would very good. Yeah, we're looking for... Uh, Looking for a few few friends of ours. You seen anybody out of the ordinary come down through here? Might look like uh, he looks over at uh, the leader of Sigma Twelve. Might look like this fella here, for that matter. I just stepped on to shift, but uh, 
bartender inside might know somebody. Why don't you go ahead and ask Frank? That works for me. Any of these hogs yours? Those are some nice bikes. Yeah, girl over there. Soft tail. That's nice. I might have to take a look at that later if you don't mind. But meantime, we got some business to take care of. Wow. You have a delightful evening, sir. You too. And yeah, Clyde will just do the saloon door push open, <laughs> you know, movie style, just kind of throw it open. Big dramatic entrance. You Baltus got it. steps through very gentlemanly and just kind of looks at Clyde like, what the hell is his problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of us fits in more in this area than yeah, the other, is all I'm saying. All right, well, you step in, and yeah, it's it's a bar. There's a big bar in the center where with all the, the bottles. There are tables everywhere. There's pool tables. There's a stage over in one corner. It's got chicken wire in front of it. <laughs> and the re- shattered remains of beer bottles along the bottom. Absolutely. And yeah, there's a bartender who's just, uh, there's a stack of boxes of liquor there, and he's just moving them, unpacking them, stocking the place up. Looks like he's getting ready for the evening. Hey, Frank. Yeah? Turns and looks. Well, first thing, if you don't mind, I can take a shot of that. You can leave the bottle. Can Second do. thing. We're looking for we're looking for a few folks. All right, what you looking for? Well, my friend here, and I'll glance over to uh, I'm sorry, what was his name? Amrit. Amrit. Friend here's got a few uh, few buddies gone missing. Far as we understand, that they may have wandered this way after a bit of a tussle with some I don't know Russian folk. Oddly enough, you seen anybody like that come through here? Yeah, I seen a guy ran off with my waitress. Walks in here, buck naked, big fella, blonde. Comes in, picks a fight with a few hell's angels we got. Goes up to him, says, give me your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Whoops all three of them. Takes the clothes, grabs Sally, jumps on the hog, rides out. Now say what? Yep. And Amrit says, wait, tall fellow, blonde. Maybe, and he he holds his hand up to indicate probably like 6'6". Six, six. Like that, blonde hair, like a like a long in the back. Yeah, that sounds about right. And he leans to you and says, that's probably Marcus. That's, that's part of our team. What? <laughs> Well, well, that sounds like a good Saturday night, I gotta admit, but, uh, all right then, well, which way did he take off? Well, they hopped on the bike, and they headed, and he points in a general direction, probably to the, the east of where you came from, because they drove off that way. Now, what in the hell? And Clyde, will, I'll take that drink now, and he'll just toss it back. <laughs> I I am completely confuzzled here. Baltus also takes a drink and looks at Clyde and says, this is a very confusing evening. <laughs> he picks up the bottle and says, we may need this for later. Emmerich <laughs> <laughs> reaches over for a glass also. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Well, there ain't nothing can't be solved by more of this, but, uh, well. And what's with them fellers outside playing volleyball? Oh, uh, that's just guys from the local base. They like to cool off by playing volleyball periodically local base what base is out here you guys are kind of out in the middle of nowhere yeah there's air force base over that way he jerks his finger off to the the, the east also well it looks so like all directions leave the, east i guess so um clyde will took at the at the cypher what military bases are near this area u.s military bases covert and other if we happen to know no military base detected near taos new mexico all right that uh, seems to be our red herring. Well, I don't know that it's a red herring, because that ain't even the weirdest thing that's happened this far this evening. Weird is speculative, depending on where we are sitting. Uh, all right, well, Frank, we appreciate it. Clyde will toss some, some cash in the bar. We'll be taking this. He takes the bottle of whiskey. All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I, let's see if maybe we can beg, borrow, or steal some transport outside. That would be uh, 
That would I don't be a lot walk. helpful. Okay, so you're going to head outside. So you can... Yeah, we're going to head back for the front door here. All right. Uh, you open the front door, throw it open, two-door dramatic Of course. Style. All right. When you throw open the door, you see three figures in front of you. There are three guys dressed in what look like gray or blue robes, and they all have these giant wicker hats that cover their faces. And they're, they're hanging down so low you can't quite see them. And they all three stare at you. One reaches in, pulls out a pair of butterfly swords. The other pulls out two pairs of sticks. And the third pulls out a pair of, like, giant forks. <laughs> and when he holds his hands up flat, they start spinning. When did I wander into an action movie? I don't know, but we're about to have some fun. So let's figure out initiative. <laughs> so what's the initiative, guys? You tell me. Well, I would like to go first. This all time. right, you go first. So oh, okay. um, so before you do that, like I said, let's let's figure out the, the sequence of initiative. We're going to kind of play a little fast and loose here because normally, like I said, if, if you pick the, guy, the bad guys to go at the end, then they automatically go at the first. But there's only three of us, so you're kind of limited in how you can shuffle around the initiative. If you've got something, we may we may end up just letting them go like last one time and then in the middle of the next or something like that. We'll, we'll play it by ear, but for the review purposes, that's not how it would work in a table of four plus a GM. Well, I think the, well, I think we've just come out, we've got surprised. I'm torn between them going first or us splitting up into player, other player, player, other player, you know, like breaking it down between it. Mm -hmm. um, so I assume Amrit becomes a playable character in this too. Uh, basically, my plan was just to have Amrit and one of the uh, one of these guys kind of square off against each other yeah. and just remove both of them from the equation. The like, cancellation of the fight. Yeah. Um, so would are you okay with that order, Chad? Like me, villain, you, villain? That's fine. Okay. It kind of breaks up the, the established order and also gives us a chance to choose the fight. Okay. The cipher looks at the in, looks at the three. Beware hostilities incoming. I think we know that. And he's going to pull up its jukes and say, all right, gentlemen, it's time to brawl. Okay. Hey, at least you didn't call it fisticuffs. So what are you doing? I would like to invoke one of my disciplines, manners maketh man. So as he's doing that, he go, he, he's going to point to the gentleman with swords with the, the two swords and say, do you mind if we duel over here? Okay. And he's going to point over towards, like, not to the volleyball court, but, like, between the volleyball court and here to keep it honorable. All right, so by invoking a discipline, that means you will activate an aspect. Yes. So you'll have to burn a faith die to do this, but you'll get certain abilities. Yes. Um, I would like to, yeah, I, I want to do that, especially because it's a dude with two swords and, like, well, I want <laughs> to fight. Like, he, Baltus actually likes to, sh he likes to show off. He's, he's kind of a... He's, he was classically trained in uh, fighting, so he wants to. He always likes a good sword fight. Um, Sound, sounds good. So, faith dice are always a d6. Okay. So, because you triggered this before the roll, that means you'll roll. Uh, in this case, you're definitely rolling combat and tactics because you're going to be fighting. Yep. How are you? What's the uh, the approach you're taking with this? I'm kind of having because it's a bladed weapon. It's called a sword. Lupin is going to hand him out uh, a sword. It's just a normal sword, nothing special to it. It's just a, a a normal bastard sword, just ready for ready for the fight. He's feeling very kind of like that doesn't seem like a gentlemanly weapon to me. <laughs> well, it, it, it's in the name. It's, it's not. It's <laughs> not like he's a, he collects old weaponry. It's it doesn't necessarily have to be like a gentlemanly sword. He was taught his way of the the blade and he wants to he wants to show off his manly stuff all right so is he going to be carefully or forcefully or quickly or what is how's he going to be it's going to be flashy it's all going to be flashy, with flair nice. flash and flair. so he's going to bring the sword out he's going to do his spins he's going to point down and he go, he's going to grab both both hands on the hilt and he's going to say on guard and like totally go at this guy 
a very flashy, very triumphant sense. He's imagining himself like a knight, you know? Really poncy. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so yeah, flashy and combat and tactics. And then, like I said, you get an extra d6 from your faith die. Okay, so, so 3d6s then. Yes, okay. Four, six, one. <laughs> Four, six, one. So that is a, that's an 11. 11, yeah. All right. Well, the, the baddie is going to be using his quick and his combat and tactics. Okay. And he's going to be uh, fighting back. So let's see what he gets. Oh, man. Oh, I rolled a three Ooh. on a D10 and a D6. Oh, wow. Doesn't that mean I... Uh greatly succeed man that means you stomped him and called him sally uh. <laughs> so okay so you got a total of 11 uh-huh he got a total of three so you inflict eight hits on this guy yeah and i'm i am not sure if that goes but i'm pretty sure that yes in this case you have succeeded with style uh-huh which means you get an additional d6 of hits Ooh, yeah yeah like you have just dominated this guy well, I rolled a one, so... <laughs> it didn't dominate him too much. Yeah, just just a little bit. So he does some fancy parries and stuff like that. I guess the guy was maybe not expecting such a, like, a points to be good with a blade. And well, still, yeah, like, what was it? What was that again? 11 minus three, so seven plus one, eight? Eight points of, eight points of damage. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's huge, man. So, mm-hmm. no, that is plenty of style. Yeah. <laughs> so deflecting one blade, like, parries doing crazy spins and stuff like that. Yeah, so. you you nail him with that. So goes, <laughs> and uh, so now it's their turn. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, yeah, he's going to he's going to hit you back, man, cuz he's mad because I because no one has uh, given me any demon dice yet. I don't get any bonuses, but he's going to hit you again. So the way this is going to be resolved is I mean, he's going to roll his approach and discipline. You're going to roll your approach and discipline. Again, we're going to compare and we're going to see. Uh, I got a little better this time, buddy. I got a 10. Oh, uh, so I'm going to roll uh, as I guess it would be careful in combat and tactics. Though, is that what you rolled before? Yeah. Oh, no. no um, you rolled flashy and flashy in combat and tactics. So. Uh, but, you know, you, you if you wanted to, you could roll careful. I could I could argue that, yeah, you're going on defensive now. Yeah, I'm going on defensive. Okay, like, yeah, do that. Okay. <laughs> a two. And a four. That's that's not so great, man. That's a that's a total of six. But he got a ten, so he lands a hit on you, and uh, that is a total of four hits to you. So to explain to the the people, uh, you have what are called conditions, mm-hmm. and once you take a certain number of hits, you activate conditions. Uh, players have normally I think, three mild conditions, two moderates, and one severe. You have to take five hits for a mild to activate. So you've only taken four, so you're you're okay right now. So yeah, so you're gonna take four hits from this guy. Aha! I don't think I'm gonna try and take four hits. I think oh, yeah. I'm going to use some of my faith die. I'm gonna use two, and uh, I know you get some demon die out of these, but uh, actually, you, you're not gonna use your faith dice. I get a start of two demon dice because I get a start. I get a number of demon dice equal to the number of PCs mm-hmm. at the start, and so after this is already rolled. You can use those demon dice if you'd like to. You can roll them and add them to your total to see if you can now beat his 10. I would like to use both of them to okay. try and beat your 10. So if you roll them, something's going to happen later on. I get to call when it happens. <laughs> then if you succeed or fail, determines if something else happens. Oh. So, so you're already getting something a little nasty, but it may be really nasty. It could be. Here we go. All right. A five, so that puts me at an 11. Puts you at 11? Yeah, yeah. 
you flashily or you carefully dodge him. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you take no damage from this guy. Woohoo! Okay, so he has wasted his attack. <laughs> but now it's other... never a waste when the GM gets a demon die. Yeah. But now spinning forks looks <laughs> over at uh, at Dipple and just steps forward with his martial arts styling. Uh, he didn't get so great. He rolled a total of seven. So right. you get to dictate how you're going to defend against this. All right. So, uh, you know, old Clyde J. Dipple always says, what the hell? And as the guy's coming in, I'm going to, uh, that bottle of whiskey, I'm just going to quickly bring it up and across and try and, to, uh, and, try and block his, uh, his attack. Perfect. Nothing says martial arts like hitting somebody with a bottle of Jack. You got it. So that's going to be quick plus combat in tactics. So that's going to be two D8s. Nice. And actually, no, you know what? I'll, I'll hold. I'll hold on invoking anything because he didn't roll so well. But okay. we'll see. All right. Shouldn't have said anything. Oh. <laughs> I got a four. Oh, uh, man. So I can invoke faith dice to re-roll. Is that correct? Right. So if you invoke a faith die before you make your roll, you can add a d6. If you invoke it afterwards... You can pick one of your die and re-roll them to try and get a higher number. Okay. But if you do that, I get a demon die. Of course you do. Now, do I uh, can I t- do I uh, do I do that by enduring an aspect, or do I just just spend a faith die? And I think technically you're supposed to tie it to an aspect to to justify how you're going to get your okay. Your well, I've got the the aspect discipline street fighting man. My oh. character's been in a few brawls, so... This is not the first bar you have hit somebody with a bottle. No, man. it is yeah. not the first time I have glassed somebody. Super, super appropriate here, so I yep. would 100% say, yeah, that's good. All right, so in that case, I'm going to go ahead and re-roll my combat tactics die. Okay. And mark off my face die. And I'm just going to go ahead and set this, uh, this demon die uh-huh. out here in the table for, oh. for anybody to want to use later on. Uh, of course you are. <laughs> that's much better. That's a seven, so that gives me a nine total. All right, nine is higher than his seven, so... These two, these guys, they look like kung fu experts, but they don't quite fight like it. All right, well, why don't you uh, show them turnabouts file fair play, man? <laughs> All right, so my turn? Your turn. I'm a reasonable man, but I have seen some very unreasonable things today. And Clyde is just going to just let out a bellow and try and haymaker this guy. Just try and clobber him upside the head. And that being the case, I want to use my love a good scrap stunt. Okay. Gives me a plus two when forcefully attacking unarmed. I, I like the sound of it. Do it. All right. So that's going to be, well, that's another 2d8. So d8 for forceful, d8 for combat and tactics. That is a 15 total. Holy. Uh, yeah, dude. You, <laughs> yeah, you got him and you succeeded with style because he only got an eight. So <laughs> 15 minus eight, that's a total of seven. Uh, go ahead and roll another d6 of hits because you, you're you stylish about this. That's only another two. All right, so 15 minus that uh, minus eight is seven, another two, so that's a total of nine. Yep. Okay. You guys have wailed on these fellas. I just, I imagine, I just haymaker him and that, that giant hat just goes spinning off. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> it tilts up slightly. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot remove the hat. Yeah, which, which is impressive because it's strapped to his head. Yeah. Okay, so it's yeah, bottom of round one. <laughs> now uh, round two, how are you going to divvy up initiative this time? Would you like to go first, Chad? You know what? Yeah, at this point, Clyde is just in a full-on, like, bull rage. Okay. And he is just going to try and pummel this guy into the sand. All right, 
So yeah, I'll go ahead. Are you just doing the same thing you were doing? Yeah, I'm going to, uh, same thing. Love a good scrap and just uh, forceful and combat tactics. He's just trying to hammer blow this guy. He, he has given up all pretense of style. <laughs> okay, so you roll and I'll roll for my defense. Oh man, I'm dying on these rolls. Yeah, don't bring a fork Possibly a literally. Uh, that is another, that's a 14. 14, okay, so he got a six. Right. So 14 <laughs> minus six. <laughs> Beats by nine, would be succeeding with style, but you've already killed him. <laughs> so you haymaker this guy. Tell me how you just knock this guy into the dirt, man. Yeah, it's pretty much literally that. I think Clyde just hits him, knocks him down, and then just is on top of him, just one fist after the other until finally Boltus probably looks over. Stop, he's already dead. Why? <laughs> <laughs> ah, you got it, Gwen. Uh, it wouldn't be Boltus, it's the, the android. He's like... <laughs> Participant was deceased 60 seconds ago. You can cease. <laughs> I am going to beat you until candy comes out. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, I, I guess I would like to go next. Okay, Baltus, <laughs> go ahead and, and, and hit your guy. I'm just going to full on seeing, uh, hearing the, the wind from, from Clyde and not to be outdone in and any And being fashion, splattered slightly. That he's going to use fashy, fashy, flashy, <laughs> and... Fashy to fashy. The Is that about jackboots? Flashy and um, careful. No, sorry. Flashy and combat tactics. Okay. Um, so I'm going to roll those two. Not, not bad for me. Right. <laughs> I don't like that, right. that sign. All right. All right. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Actually, can I pull a stunt at the same time? Uh, what's your stunt? Um, Gremlin stole my weapon. So he's going to try and get up into close combat with him. And the gremlin's going to reach out and steal one of his swords <laughs> <laughs> while they're playing. Um, you know what? I like the idea of that. Why don't you roll your? We'll definitely say it's your fringe because it's going to be the gremlin in your coat. He's yeah. going to be doing it. Uh, Quick fringe maybe. and maybe be maybe sneaky. Yeah, sneaky sounds good. So um, uh, that actually changes my die rolls too. Uh, that's a d10 and a d8. And you know what? We'll just we'll combine those two together if you're cool with this, and, and say if you're not. Yeah. But I was thinking we'll we'll combine those, and this will be your attack roll. Yeah. And uh, it will define it as you've stolen their sword, so they can't resist you as well. Yeah. So you get a lot more dice. That's fine. Okay. Oh no, that was an eight. Ooh, are either of them a one? No. Blow faith die and reroll a low one. <laughs> Sure, <laughs> just go for it. Okay, I'm going to reroll my three. This couldn't possibly come back to bite us. <laughs> How could this possibly go wrong? Hey, they and... seem like a reckless pair. Drop out Granted. that extra demon die. I rolled a two. Oh. <laughs> uh, so what you got there? Wah. Total, uh, total 11. Eight. 11? Yeah. You got 10, man. Oh! <laughs> like, nice. That's, that's all you needed. I was like, aha, I got a 10. You in trouble. So the dude's uh, the dude's spinning his sword. This little green hand shoots out of the coat, grabs hold of the hilt, and pulls it in. And the dude, like, doesn't know what just happened. No, he, you, he grabs the sword. He reaches his sword up to block it, and it's just an empty hand. And he stops and looks at his hand, shocked. You bring your sword down. Get rid of him, man. Tell me what. Tell me how you do it. So, um, as he brings that block, was meant to stop Baltus's sword. So it passes straight through him, and he's looking at his hand, but the blade comes between him and just cleaves him. Like he is, like it lands, full chest action there. It's gonna be. I, I think Clyde would have a hard time putting him back together. <laughs> um, so it, like he cleaves through, and even even Baltus is a bit surprised by this. He didn't notice that it was uh, it was Lupin who took the sword away. Little green hand comes out, gives you a thumbs <laughs> up. <laughs> Thank you, Lupin. 
<laughs> okay, so the two of you have taken out your guy. You turn just in time to see Amret pull the trigger on the AK-47 and knock his guy down. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Lupin's going to do, do a swish and uh, clean off the blade with the dude's shirt and put the blade back into his, his jacket. <laughs> all right. As, as you're all standing around congratulating, the guy sitting at the front door I don't mean to cause you boys alarm. Y'all might want to head back inside. And he points behind you, and you turn and look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. All right. So uh, you turn and look, and there are just dozens of guys in black and red kung fu outfits <laughs> standing at the hill, <sighs> looking down at you angrily. Okay. Well, hmm. Well, it looks like the... You ready there, Boltus? <laughs> the shit's hit the fan. It's time to go on. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I will... Uh, back inside, at least we can take up a defensive position. All right. So, yeah, you'll take up a defensive position next week. Ah. Well, it looks like the... You ready there, Boltus? <laughs> the shit's hit the fan. It's time to go on. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I will... Back inside, at least we could take up a defensive position. All right. So, yeah, you'll take up a defensive position next week. Ah. That was episode one of Demon Hunters, a comedy of terrors. Join us next week as our heroes face off against a horde of color-coded kung fu combatants. If you want to hear more or give us suggestions, you can find us at nerdsonearth.com, fortunesuntoldpodcast at gmail.com, and at Fortunes Untold on Twitter. Thanks for listening and roll on!